Welcome to the Money Advantage Podcast, empowering business owners with the permission to think differently about money so that you can consciously choose to live a meaningful and fulfilled life now. Our passion is making money simple, fun, and doable, helping you feel great about your money and getting your money working for you so you can thrive. As you're building a business that you love, have you considered that you may need to uplevel your referral process? In today's show, we're interviewing Stacy Brown Randall, who went from one business failure with no referrals to receive 112 referrals in the first year of business number two, proving that you can generate referrals without asking. She's perfected her five-step process that generates her over 100 referrals every year and is now on a mission to help other small business owners and solopreneurs build a business with ease, avoid overwhelm, and finally enjoy growing their business. Now, building your business is just one step in the journey to build time and money freedom. And that's why we've created the Business Owner's Three-Step Cash Flow System to help you create time and money freedom by first keeping more of the money you make, then securing and protecting your money, and finally, turning it into more. Today's conversation is gonna hone in on building your business because that's one of your key investments that you have the most knowledge and control as a way to increase your cash flow from assets. So let's talk about who is Stacy Brown Randall. Well, Stacy Brown Randall is a member of the Business Failure Club, a contrarian on how to generate referrals and a supporter of the entrepreneurial dream. Through her programs, she provides a roadmap to take control of your business. Stacy is a three-time entrepreneur author of Generating Business Referrals Without Asking, and host of the Roadmap to Grow Your Business podcast. Now, if corporate America is a cruise liner, then small business is a dinghy. Stacy jumped ship from her uninspiring corporate job to launch her own business at the encouragement of a client. The first two years were smooth sailing. However, the tides changed when her strongest client suddenly left and broke their contract. With such a detrimental blow to the whole of her business, Stacy could not remain afloat just four years after launching that business. Now, having learned how to bounce back from failure, Stacy now works with businesses to help them grow by racking up referrals without having to ask for them. Stacy has taught her no asking referral generation strategy to hundreds of companies, small businesses, and solopreneurs. Stacy received her master's in organizational communication and is married with three kids, a 10-year-old son, eight-year-old daughter, and she and her husband have the privilege of raising their 10-year-old nephew. So let's dive into this conversation. Hi, and welcome back to the Money Advantage Podcast. I'm Rachel Marshall, along with my co-host, Bruce Weiner. Good morning, Bruce. Good morning, Rachel. And uh, this, this is, it's a lot easier to have uh, great energy on a podcast when you have guests that have great energy. And I think Stacey uh, Brown Randall is going to have that kind of energy for our listeners today. I mean, who doesn't need referrals? And she's a referral expert. Uh, she has a, a great insight on things. She has great energy. So we'd like to welcome her to the show today. Hello, Stacy. Well, Bruce, if I wasn't bringing my A-game, I guess I definitely am now. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> now that I've got I have all this great energy. No, thank you guys so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. This is a topic I could talk about pretty much forever. So I appreciate the opportunity to share what I know with your audience. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Stacey, I'm going to lead us into the conversation today. Tell us a little bit about who you were before you got started with referral-based business and helping other people build referrals before your coaching and your speaking and the interviews, your podcast that you have. 
and everything you're known for today. Who sure. is Stacy Brown Randall? Yeah, it's such a, a fun and interesting question um, to be asked. You know, it's when people always, when people aren't entrepreneurs, and I think they sometimes have conversations with people who are entrepreneurs, there's usually always that like, oh, how did you know you wanted to be an entrepreneur? Or even sometimes when entrepreneurs are just talking to each other, right? Like, oh, how did you know you wanted to be an entrepreneur? And mm. I would say before I ever became an entrepreneur, and I know we'll talk about this, this is not my first rodeo with owning a business. Um, and we'll mm -hmm. talk about that in a minute. But when people always talk to me about starting my own business, you know, the interesting thing was, being an entrepreneur is actually, you're not an outlier in my family. You're actually an outlier in my family if you have a W-2 job. So wow, I am in, that's fascinating. Yeah, I'm in a sea of entrepreneurs in my family. Now, they are the crazy kind of entrepreneurs, and I can call nice. them that. Whether they feel insulted or not is irrelevant, <laughs> but I can call them that because they are the restaurant owner kind of business owners, and those people are just crazy. So <laughs> through my life, I have been the granddaughter, the daughter, the sister, the niece, and the wife of restaurant owners. So wow. when I sit around with Thanksgiving and the Christmas table, and I, of course, there are other entrepreneurs in our family, that just happens to be the restaurant side of the world. I have another uncle that's in the hospitality business and my father was an author. So, you know, I have a lot of entrepreneurs that are kind of that surround me. My brother now owns three businesses. So you know, he's like the overachiever in the family. Um, but being an entrepreneur was it was like the thing you it was like not unusual. It was kind of the thing that people did. But I will tell you what I do. Most of my family is like, we don't get it. So it's just so different. They're like, wait, you have a business online. Like no one's coming into your restaurant or to your hotels or to whatever. So, I mean, I'm in good company when I sit around the table at the Thanksgiving meals talking to my family about business ownership, even if they can't always understand exactly what it is I do. That's awesome. And actually, as we progress through the interview, I was going to ask you a question about local versus online business. So uh, we'll we'll save that for later. But that's a good lead in for that. And I'm hoping your Thanksgiving dinners are really well um, catered. It sounds like you probably have a lot of good cooks as well in the family. You know, it's funny. It's like the same two people cook all of our meals. My mom and my sister-in-law are pretty much the ones that do it all. Um, I don't know how to cook and I have no intentions of learning. I've gotten this far without needing to know how to cook. So I always so tell cool. my husband, I was like, listen, when my mom's gone, like, I don't know who's cooking for you for those big meals because I don't even <laughs> cook our dinners like he does. So yes, it's... Um, um, you would think that it's like, oh, everybody chips in. No, that burden still falls to my mom. And thank goodness my sister-in-law is such a good cook with my mom. So at least she gets some help. That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, it sounds like you um, scored really well on that one. Yeah. Oh, I totally got the hookup. Yes. That's yes. awesome. So let's talk about your backstory. I know we kind of talked about this a little bit in the intro, but you had a story of business failure. You talk about you're part of the business failure club what happened with that? And what were the lessons that came out of that that kind of birthed you into the person that you are today? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. People always say, how did you end up teaching people how to generate referrals without asking? Like, did you just like one day that just like the idea came to you like, oh, I should start, you know, an online program where I teach people how to generate referrals without asking and I'll write a book about it and I'll have a podcast about it. Like, people are like <laughs> how did that kind of like come up? Like, did you just decide that was going to be your business? And, and I always say, gosh, that would be so great if I were that smart. Right. And it had just come to me like that. Unfortunately, the truth is like we are having this conversation today because of sheer necessity. 
and not because I ever intended to make a, a great process and system that would work so well for so many people um, because I had planned on it all along. I mean, the truth was like, like you said, I actually have a business failure in my past. I started an HR consulting firm a number of years ago, more than 10 years ago now. It would make it four years, almost five, not exactly, and it would fail. And from the mm-hmm. outside looking in at that HR consulting firm, you would have thought it was doing amazingly well. I mean, I had big name clients that I was doing consulting work for like KPMG, which is one of the fourth largest accounting firms in the world, uh, BDO, which is like one of the next level down, Snyder's Lance, Coca-Cola Bowling Consolidated, um, Ally Bank. Like I had some really big name clients that I was doing work for, but the business had a few secrets. And it was those secrets that when I would finally decide to face them after my business, after I closed up shop and had to go get a W-2, which was like the hardest, longest 15 months, almost 18 months of my life uh-huh. uh, before I started my second business. Um, you know, the truth is I, when I looked back on those lessons and I looked at what did I do well, what did I not do well? And there were definitely, there wasn't just one thing that caused that business to fail. But the biggest Mm -hmm. thing that I think kind of let everything else happen that would be negative for me as that business was kind of going down, it's very slow and painful death because I didn't admit it for almost a year that the business was dying. I was trying to save it. And it's really hard to scale right? A business when you're drowning (laughs) just doesn't really work well. And so (laughs) it's not something I would recommend. And so as I kind of look back in those lessons, I was like, okay, the one domino that had I fixed this first, it probably could have solved some of the other issues, though maybe not. And I would never change my past. Um, Most people are like, oh, don't call it a failure. Call it something you learned from. I'm like, it's okay. It is okay to put a label on it. It is okay to say I failed. I did. I am not a failure, but absolutely right. I failed. And right. so, and, and out of the failure came the learning, but it was yeah, clearly a failure, right? And failures <laughs> only, I mean, failures are awesome as long as you are willing to learn from them, right? It doesn't mm-hmm. define me, but let me tell you, having a failure in your background is a swift kick in the hiney when you need it. So mm-hmm. as long as you don't let it label you, you're good, but let it motivate you. And so awesome. the one thing I learned that I didn't do well, that I needed to figure out if I ever had the opportunity to go back out on my own and start another company was that I had to figure out how to touch business development every day. And when I say mm-hmm. touch business development every day, what I really mean is the things that you're willing to do, not the things you have to force yourself to do. Anybody can cold call. And I know there are people out there who love it. And I know there are people out there who will claim that it works. And there are processes and systems Mm -hmm. and hacks and things like that. But most of us, and I'm going to say most and feel pretty confident in my assessment of most of us, dread the idea of cold calling every day. Mm -hmm. A lot of us will also dread the idea of having to go out and network every single day for breakfast, lunch, and then every networking event we can seem to find and how many rubber chicken dinners and lunches can we have, right? And maybe in a week with all the networking we're going to go do, right? And, you know, Mm -hmm. some people would, I mean, I think when you just look at all the different things you can do, there's always some things for some people that works and others that don't. So when mm-hmm. I look back at my business and I said, how did I get the clients I did get? Like what, what happened? Like where, how did I come across those? A lot of it was through networking. I mean, with my HR consulting oh. firm, a number of them came through networking, which is great. 
But by the time I started my second business and I was a few years into my second business, now I've got three kids. I've got a husband that owns at that time a restaurant. He did sell it last year, but he now owns a catering company because, you know, we're like glutton for punishment here in this family. (laughs) But, um, you know, so I've got three kids and I don't want to spend every night networking and I don't want that to be the hustle lifestyle that I have built for myself. So I was like, okay, great. How else are we going to get clients? And so like anybody else, you just start looking at all the activities and things you can do that are marketing based or prospecting based. And I do believe those are two totally different buckets. What I do in prospecting is different from what I do in marketing, but there are tactics and strategies and activities you do in both. And I kept hearing this whole concept, which I knew about was referrals. I'm like, yeah, who wouldn't want referrals? They're awesome. And then I was like, Mm -hmm. did I get any with my HR consulting firm, that first business? And I looked and I was like, yeah, no. I actually, the only referral my HR consulting firm business actually landed or actually received, the only referral I ever received came two years after I had shut down the business. So, oh, wow. Wow. Okay. I mean, that's just like terribly insulting, right? You're like, well, I'm love. I'm thankful I got it, but I'm not even doing that business anymore. So when I started mm-hmm. my second business, so while I was in corporate America, I got certified as a productivity and business coach. That was my plan B. That was my escape route, right? That's how I was going to get out of corporate America was to restart another company. But I knew my family couldn't go through another business failure. I had to figure out how to grow it. I really loved the concept and idea of referrals for the same reason all of your listeners do too, because those referrals are awesome and they're easier to close and they're quicker to close and they already trust you and they want to work with you because somebody else vouched for you. And Mm -hmm. I was like, how do I get those? And so I did what everybody else does. I started reading books, looking at sales trainers who were teaching referrals, reading articles, Googling, how do I get referrals? And like 99.9% of everything that came up was telling me that I had to ask. Well, if you want them, ask. And my favorite which I'm saying that tongue in cheek, my favorite advice was, and if you're not willing to ask Rachel, there's something wrong with you. Like mm-hmm. seriously, like if none right. of us aren't comfortable asking, why is something wrong with us and not the method and not the how we're right. doing it? Great so, message. Great yeah. message. Yeah. So I just decided well, I mean, to figure it out. Yeah. I mean, this kind of all goes into this whole idea of, I mean, I can hear from you. You probably are a- along the track of being really relational, authentic, and it just feels yucky to you know, have some of those sales tactics. And so, I mean, was that part of it for you trying to figure out a way to build your business, but not be pushy and salesy and all that yuckiness? Totally. Here's the thing. I, I will tell people, I have no issue with closing business. Like my mom was an amazing salesperson. I have had some great training. I do think it comes on some level. I think sales can be learned. I just think it happens to come naturally a little bit to me. But the idea there is, is that this isn't something you just need to be good at every once in a while, right? I mean, you need business coming in the door every month, every week, every day, depending on how your business is structured. And so yes, whatever I was going to make myself do, so to speak, day in and day out to bring in business, I had to be willing to do it. So it had to feel, to your point, authentic and genuine and match who I was as a person. And which is why cold calling was never going to be that because I always felt like I was trying to like trick somebody into saying yes to a meeting, right? Or, you know, whatever that looked like. And I did, I did cold calling while I was in my corporate job and it was, and I was actually pretty good at it. And I still hated every second of it um, Uh because it was important for me to be authentic and it was important, but you know, it was more important than being authentic and genuine, even though those are super, super important things is because I didn't go into business to be an always hustling salesperson or to be seen as a set, as a hustling salesperson. Most mm-hmm. of the people that I work with go into business because we're good at something, 
right? I was a really yeah. good yeah. productivity coach, right? I was really good at business coaching and I didn't want to be the great, awesome salesperson. I need sales. Like we're not dummies when we start a business. We know we need clients. We know we need revenue, but I didn't want to become an awesome salesperson. I wanted to become a better coach. I wanted to become better mm-hmm. at productivity tactics and how I worked with my clients and the right. business coaching. And so if you are doing tactics that keep you in sales mode all the time, you start to feel like that always hustling salesperson. And that's when mm-hmm. I realized that referrals was entirely different. You know, referrals was someone was- showed up and wants to work with you, which is amazing. Yes. The problem was the methodology of how we were taught to make that happen. That's so good. And, you know, I think probably any one of our listeners would be resonating with what you're saying right now because nobody does want to, we don't go into business to be the person who's getting the business. We really want to be serving people and working with them and making that difference. And whether it's coaching or whether it's some type of consulting business or whether it's in real estate or whether you're a doctor, you don't want to spend all of your time, 90% of your day doing the business development. And I think that's probably one of the reasons why we do shy away from that because we want to be making the difference and we want to be really using our skills. Uh, So, so as we kind of back this up, you said, there was a lot of people saying to do that you had to ask and you didn't like that. So you said there's ha- had to be something wrong with the methodology. So where did you go from there? So it's interesting. Um, I, m- one of my favorite articles I ever found uh, when I was like looking for all that advice on how to get referrals was 25 ways to not look desperate when asking nice. for referrals. <laughs> and I just thought to myself, it's I put it in my presentations too, when I'm up on stage, I'm like, if you need 25 ways not to look desperate, how do we probably think we look? Let's, <laughs> let's just go out there on a ledge and just, just say, you know what, maybe for the last couple of decades, we have been teaching this wrong. And so for me, it was out of, like I said, sheer necessity of, I had to have a business that was going to be successful because I could not go through another business failure. And going back to corporate America was like, I mean, I'd rather have like 10 more kids than have to actually do that (laughs) again. I mean, right. So it's just, you know, you taste freedom. It's just the going, I mean, I'm not, business ownership isn't Mm -hmm. like no work freedom. It's still just a different kind of freedom, but it's still freedom. And so for me, it is, but you're preaching to the choir. I mean, that's yes. what we do, and that's what our clients do as well. And they have that desire to be in business. So. Yes, absolutely. So, so yeah. yeah. So for me, it was okay. So how am I going to get these clients? Well, what I knew mm-hmm. was how to connect with people and how to network. So that's how I started my business and productivity coaching practice. And then what I started paying attention to was that I was receiving referrals and kind of at like a rapid rate. And so it's not like I set out to get referrals because I had thought I had to ask and I'm not willing to ask. So I'm like everybody else at that point. And I'm like, well, I won't ask. And they say, if I won't ask, it's my fault. And I, I can't get them if I don't ask. So I guess referrals aren't for me, which is where most oh. of us land when we go out seeking information on referrals. Well, if you won't ask and you, or you won't pay for them, which definitely didn't fit who I was as a human as well, or you won't be willing to make them overly promotional or gimmicky where they almost feel like an ask without really asking at that point, you know, you can't have them. And I was like, okay, I guess I can't have them. And so as I was building my coaching practice, I started noticing I was really bringing in referrals at a pretty fast clip. And even in my first year of being a business coach, I brought in 112 referrals and these were all ones, wow, that's yeah, all ones I never asked for. And I always tell people, I mean, first of all, I couldn't even help that many people. Um, and the other part of that was, is that, you know, the freedom that allowed me to pick and choose who I wanted to work with and to not worry about when the next piece of business was coming in. It's like, I, I know it's right. But then I had to go back and be like, how did that happen? 
right? So what did it look like to do reverse engineering? Yeah. And so, and that was like 2013, 2014. And so I was kind of looking back, figuring out, okay, like how was this happening? And very early on in those first couple of months of owning a business and having those referrals get started, I realized that there were key things I was doing that was keeping me um, really connected on a solid relationship with people who could refer me. So yes, I was doing amazing work and I had a very sticky client experience and my clients were referring me, but I was doing a few other things that was really allowing that relationship to solidify. And then I was planting what I call now referral seed language that I didn't call it that back then. I didn't know that's what it was, but I was doing these things and I was hitting these triggers. I was able to trigger referrals and the trigger wasn't asking and it wasn't paying and it wasn't being overly promotional and gimmicky. It was like being a human being a real person and really taking time to invest in a relationship with my referral sources because they make my life easier. They're worthy of my time. Right. And they bring me clients. Right. I mean, why wouldn't you consider your list of referral sources gold in your business? Right. And so I started paying attention to what I was doing and I was growing quickly in that first year. And a lot of my clients in that first year said to me, why are you going so fast? You're cutting the number of days you're seeing clients. You are now not coming to us anymore. We now have to come to you if we want to coach with you. You've raised your rates multiple times. And that would be a trend I would continue to do as I you know, still worked with one-on-one clients. And I was like, yeah, well, when you have you know, all these people who want to work with you, you get to make different choices. And it's pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. And so I had people early on that were my one-on-one business coaching clients saying, teach me. And I was like, oh, I don't know if what I'm doing I can teach. Like, it's just maybe me, it's my personality. It's what I think to do. But I had to go back because they wanted to know. And I started looking at what am I doing? And then I would ultimately Mm -hmm. boil that down to a process. And I would refine it over time that I could be like, okay, this is exactly what I was doing to be able to generate those referrals. And then I would start teaching it to my um, clients, my coaching clients at the time. And then eventually I would be like, well, why don't more people know about this? Why am I the only person here? And like at this time, it was like 2014 that has actually come up with this concept. Why hasn't anybody else of all the sales trainer masters in the world, right? All the giants out there. Why hasn't anybody else figured out how to get referrals without asking by focusing on other trigger points and focusing on other ways to actually generate referrals? Why isn't that happening? And I was like, well, if they're not going to do it, and I figured it out, then I'm going to do it. And so that's when I would then eventually launch my program. And then I would teach it workshop based. And now eventually, now, of course, it's online, and we have students in six different countries. So it's international. And we, you know, obviously, we've had um, hundreds and hundreds of people go through it. And what I realized is, is that nothing about what I teach is unique to me. I just happen to have the foresight without really knowing it to figure out what those pieces look like. And now I have it just boiled down into a process that I can teach it. So other people can have the same information. That is so awesome. And I'm not going to ask you to teach your whole process here because then you wouldn't have the need for a program. But let's um, let's talk about a few key pieces. So what is a referral and what is not a referral? So, you know, it's funny. Anytime I stand on a stage or I have a conversation with somebody, the first thing I feel the need to do is we have to qualify and define what a referral actually is. Because so many people will come up to me and they'll say, oh, yeah, I do referral marketing. I'm like, that's not a thing. And they'll be like, well, I just got a word of mouth referral. I'm like, that's not a thing. And they're like, yes, it is. Everybody else says it is. I'm like, it's not a thing when you break down what those things are, (laughs) right? Referrals Mm. aren't marketing. They don't fit within your marketing strategy, within your marketing plan. They also don't fit within your prospecting plan. Your prospecting plan is that short-term hit. Cold calling, which is why we're told to ask and pay, because we're looking for the short-term hit. Well, 
That's not how referrals work. So when people say to me, you know, oh, I, I just got a referral and I have to go back and be like, it's called a warm lead. It's a little bit, it's not a referral, but it's better than a cold lead. Like we have to really define the terminology. So a referral has two things that a cold lead, a warm lead, word of mouth buzz, and an introduction do not have. Like they may have one, but they, and they may have none, but they definitely don't have both. And so the two pieces that a referral has is that it has that personal connection. There is always somebody connecting you that trust you, what I refer to as the referral source, right? The person who knows you, who is referring you to the prospect. There's always that connection because when that connection is made, then we know the trust that the referral source has in you is transferred to the prospect, which is what makes a referral show up, mm. ready to buy, quicker to close, values you more, right? Is less price sensitive because they've decided someone else told me to trust you, so I already do. So the personal connection is huge, right? right? The second thing I have to have though, and the personal connection is there. So there's like some follow-up, right? Can start and an initial conversation can begin or a first meeting can happen, right? So that connection has to be there. Nine times out of 10, this is going to happen over email, though it could happen over a group text thread or, and it could happen maybe if you're all at the same event and the thing kind of like bubbled up to, oh, let me introduce you. She's right over there, right? Nice, okay. So there's that piece for personal connection. The other thing that it has that nothing, none of the other sales terminology has is that it has a need identified. Good. Okay. The reason why a referral shows up or a referred prospect shows up ready to buy is because they already know they have a problem. Mm. They know they have a problem and they're now interested in solving it. They may not pick you to solve it, but they're now interested in solving it. And they know who they want to talk to because somebody told them, well, before you make any choices or decisions, you got to talk to Bruce, right? You got to talk to Rachel. Like they've already had that conversation. They know they have a problem. So the need has been identified. What I typically find is like with an introduction, we'll be connected over email, but there's no true need identified. You hear things like, you guys should get to know each other and talk about your businesses and network. And actually what your referral source is thinking is, oh, they really need to hire you, Rachel but they don't ever say it. Mm. So it's just an introduction. And I teach in my program, Growth by Referrals, I teach the way to flip that referral, right? I mean, sorry, to flip that introduction into a referral. Like these aren't lost causes. Like we can flip everything we need to, that's not a referral. But if it doesn't have a need, right? The need has been identified and it doesn't have that personal connection. It's not an actual referral. Mm -hmm. It is just either word of mouth buzz, introduction, warm lead, or heaven forbid, a cold lead. I love that you verify that. Go ahead, Bruce. Is there a time, because I had a mentor say this to me before, that um, there are some referrals that you, uh, referral sources that you don't actually want to refer to you. And and his <laughs> rationale was they're crazy. They are, they, they might be a client, but they're a difficult client. And so they actually attract that same kind of difficult and crazy person. So when have you ever thought about that? And, and how do you uh, deal with those kind of referrals? Yes, absolutely. So it's typically something that's going to come up. People are going to be like, but what if I don't want them referring right. me? Right. And I always <laughs> tell everybody when we're, when they're going through my program and in module one of my growth by referrals program, we actually have to identify who are your referral sources. And I tell folks, once they go through the process of identifying who their referral sources are, and let me tell you, we do not do this based on your memory or anecdotal evidence. We are looking at the data within your business of who are your clients and how do they learn about you, right? right? And sometimes people, Bruce, to your point, will say that exact thing. They'll be like, I do not want any more referrals from this person. I'm like, your list of referral sources is subjective. You get to decide who stays and who goes. 
Like if you don't want to spend time nurturing a relationship with someone you can't stand, then you don't need to have them as a referral source. You get to have control over this. It's just like we have control over our clients, even though we tell ourselves we don't, right? We totally have control over the clients that we choose to work with. And so it's the same thing, right? So you can decide that you don't want referrals or you do want referrals from certain people. And then you don't qualify, you know, you don't work on the relationship or you do, but you're possibly, Bruce, to your point is you may still get referrals, right? From that person you don't want them from. Um, and then you have to make a decision of how you're going to handle it, right? Usually if it's the, you're always handing off the people they send to you, usually it's got a conversation. You go back around you're like, I really appreciate the fact that you refer me, unfortunately. And again, if you don't want this person as a referral source, we're going to hit them right between the eyes, just politely right? And professionally, if we want them as a referral source and they're sending the wrong people, so not the language I would tell you to use. But if someone's sending you people and you don't want them referring you anymore, it's just telling them that like, hey, thanks so much for referring me. I actually, I do appreciate it. But unfortunately, who you're able to refer me is not who I work with. So who I'm usually sending your people to is so-and-so. Why don't I just connect you and this new ref- this new person and you can get to know them and start referring them, right? Or you don't even have to offer to do that if you don't want to. Um, but you're okay with saying, yeah, no, this isn't this isn't going to work. Um, and it's, it's I don't, the referrals you're sending me, I can't help. Um, and then you just kind of, you know, like you do with anybody, you don't really care to be around. You just stop being there and spending time with them and reaching out to them and following up with them and things like that. But yeah, you will. Okay, so you're, Go ahead. you are obviously, I have these four levels that I refer to all the time. You're unconsciously competent at what you do about who a referral is. I mean, you're, you tried to explain it. You did a very good job. I, I, I understood it when you said it, but that's because I'm uh, um, unconsciously um, incompetent about how a referral is different than, uh, you know, somebody that you would ask to be a referral. Or a lead. So, how do you? Is it? Do you think it's okay when you're trying to be referral based to actually also ask for referrals? And is there, if that's one of the ways you do things, is that? Do you still consider that a referral? Yeah. So no, I do not believe you should be asking for referrals. I don't believe, um, based on the experience that I've had and all of my students of what they've gone through and all the success that they have had as well that when we ask for a referral, unfortunately, we will ultimately end up shortchanging what we could receive from the people that we're asking. Here's the thing. There are people who ask and it may work for them. There are people who love to cold call. Of course, there are people who love to ask for referrals and it works for them. And I always tell them, don't break something that's working on my account. I'm not, but I'm not talking to them, right? Like the people I want to talk to are the people who are like, I want referrals so bad, but I refuse to ask. So what do I do? So, right. So, let's take that I mean, I then think, what do you do? What do you do if you're not asking? What is the process to nurture the referral, build that relationship? And, and how do you get those referrals if you don't ask? Yeah. So yeah, let me let me just go back because I don't want to leave Bruce hanging on his question um, and then answering that one. I think that um, Bruce, I spend a ton of time early on with people when they're first being introduced to me or reading my book or hearing the podcast, and then they come into my program. Or I'm going to teach them what to do, um, defining 
referrals. Like when I sit down with a VIP that's gone through the process and we're like building their referral generating plan together, there's lots of times where they're like, I've got 30 referral sources. Mm -hmm. And then when I'm done with them, they have six right? because it's how they define it. And it's what they look at it. Like a repeat client cannot refer themselves. It's just a repeat client. Right. And so we have to look at it and I have to get really crystal clear on what we're talking about. But the reason for that is because if I'm telling you that it's easier to grow your business by referrals, you're going to save more time. You're going to make more money. Everything about your business will be easier Then I need it to be a true referral mm-hmm. walking in the door. Not something you got to work extra hard for to get back around and get it into a referral. So um, yeah, I truly don't believe that you should ask. Rachel, to your point, what I really tell folks that they should focus on is recognizing where referrals come. And here's why I tell people don't ask. When you understand the human dynamic and the psychology behind why a referral happens in the first place, so when you really understand why did, why did I get referred or why did that referral happen to like, come to me, right? Why did that prospect come to me by referral? I, it, I may be the bearer of bad news for a lot of people listening, but it's not about you. It has nothing to do with you. Now, now here's that the thing. I, feel you, is, uh, uh, I mean, that's, that's bringing a lot of cognitive dissonance to me and I'm sure to our listeners. So if it's not about me that I got a referral, who is it about then? Yes, absolutely. Right. Because here's the thing. And, I, and people always say, when I say, who's it about? They're always like me. And I'm like, you wish. You know, I don't say it like that. That would be so rude. Um, but what I do say is, is the reality of it is think about, okay, so Rachel and Bruce, do me a favor. And I know all your listeners can do the same thing. Think about the last person you referred to someone else. Did last time. Right. It may have been your neighbor. It may have been a, like a, you know, a family member. It could have been a colleague, a peer, right? Think about the last person that you referred to someone else. Why did you do it? Because I knew they were, I knew they were competent and, and I wouldn't have to, I wouldn't personally have to hold their hand through the process. So that's why you, yeah. So, but why did you like refer that person? No matter, it doesn't matter who you referred them to and why you referred them to that person. Why did I refer that person? Why did you refer the person who was like, hey, tell me what to do here? Why did you refer them to someone else? For me, it was somebody had a very clear problem. And they had a need. And I knew that this person could solve it. Right. And what ultimately did that mean for you both when you knew someone who had a problem and you knew this person could solve it? How did that make you feel? And who were you doing it for? Mm, Who was I doing it for? I mean, I I felt great about it. So maybe I was doing it for me. (laughs) So the truth is when we refer someone, we're doing it to help somebody else. Yeah. But the end result of that is, is we get to feel like a hero. We Mm. get to help. And to be honest, that's kind of how God created all of us, right? I mean, like it just yeah. is like he created us. He gave us this little part of our brain called the hypothalamus that regulates a lot of things in our body. But one of the things that relate uh, that it regulates is also the need to belong and the need to help. And so we are, and some people are not like this and it's because they're dead inside, but mm. the majority of us are wanting to help people. So when you were talking to a friend and they said, oh my gosh, I really need what more traffic to my website or whatever the problem was. And you're like, how's your SEO? And they're like, oh, I don't even know what you're talking about. And you're like, oh my gosh, I know the most brilliant SEO person. You've got to talk to them, right? You weren't doing it because you're trying to build up the SEO's business. Bonus for them, they get a new client. You were doing it because yeah. in that moment, you're having a conversation with somebody who has a problem and you're like, whoa, 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 ding, 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 ding. I know how to solve it. I get to help right. you and I get to feel better yes. about myself when I do it. So here's my question for you. When I ask you for a referral, 
who am I making that about? Oh, that's all making it about the the asker. Yes. Uh, for me. lack of getting our terms confused. Yeah. Yeah. And when I ask you for a referral, I'm making it about me. But we just mm-hmm. uncovered the reason why someone referrals has nothing to do with the person who's going to get the new client and everything to do with the referral source helping somebody who has a problem and they know they can help them solve it. Okay. okay. That, that makes perfect sense. And Rachel and I are hooked on dopamine. And that's why we uh, we do refer a lot of people because it makes us feel good. Yes, uh, we must be. <laughs> uh, so, but okay, now let me ask the question in a little different way. So, I have a lot of clients who this makes perfect sense now, Stacey. I, I appreciate this. That, that say to me, "Hey, has so and so called you? I refer a lot of people to you, but mm-hmm. they don't ever call me. So then I feel bad." that they don't feel good that I receive those referrals. So then I, so then I say to them, I try to help them out. I say, well, what are you telling them about me? And then they stammer around. I said, well, next time you refer, if, if you say this, this, and this, maybe they'll be more likely to call. So is that, uh, <laughs> I feel like that's a little different that I'm trying to make them feel good, but ultimately it goes back to me. So I guess it's all about me again, which I guess. No. Okay. So, so here's the thing. Actually, what I would say is if that's, if that's all you knew to do, then I would be like, it's so much better than some of the things you could be doing in that moment. But what I really would want you to do is when you have someone say, Hey, I refer you, I referred you to Sarah. Did Sarah call? And you're like, Sarah, who? Mm -hmm. Because Sarah did not call. Right. Immediately when you say, well, what are you saying about me? You're making it all of a sudden about their ability to sell you to someone else. And let's be honest, most of the time they can't do that well. Like it's not in their DNA. Unless you only work with sales professionals, it's not in their DNA. And so now all of a sudden I've got them to a place where they got to know what to say about me and know how to qualify me. Now here's the thing. I need them to know what I do and I need them to know why they love what I do for them. That's really ultimately all that I need because if I'm going to listen to someone and they say, this is why I love Bruce, that's really all I need. I don't need to know everything he does or you explain it to me or whatever. I need to know why they like working with you for me to make the decision to follow up with you, except that why Sarah, using our example, didn't follow up with you, it actually has probably nothing to do with what your referral source said. When your client, your referral source was trying to refer you and then they were trying to refer you to Sarah, but Sarah never followed up, nine times out of 10, it doesn't have as much to do with what your referral source client said. It has everything to do with the fact that they expected Sarah to take the burden and do the follow-up herself. So what you effectively received was word of mouth buzz. They're talking about you. They're talking about, they know Sarah's got a problem. They know she's got a need. That need has been identified. They haven't connected you. And so they didn't put you in the driver's seat to follow up. And, you know, and it's one of the things I always tell my students all the time is don't make this hard for your referral sources. Don't make them have to qualify. Don't make them defensive. Don't make them question what's going to come out of their mouth when they are so excited to tell someone, oh, my God, Bruce can solve your problem. Don't stop that flow. Just make it really easy for them on the back end to be like, hey, listen, that's great. Thank you so much for referring Sarah. Right? Why don't you just send her an email, copy me on it, and just so that way she has my information for when she's ready. Now, ultimately, what that does is put you in the driver's seat, right? But it just flipped mm-hmm. that word of mouth buzz into a referral for you. And it took any pressure off of them to change maybe how they're referring you. Now, here's one thing I will say, though, Bruce. 
I know exactly by the way I'm set up in those emails, how easy I will close the person. Because when I'm set up really well, there's some detail about why Stacy would be great for you. And remember, like, and this, as we talked about, this is your problem. And here's how Stacy can help you solve it. The ones that are still referrals, but they're more like, hey, oh my gosh, Stacy, talking about you the other day, talk, call Sarah. And I don't know anything about Sarah, right? And then Sarah's on that email. I know it's going to be a little bit harder for me to loop them back into that moment because what we're ultimately Mm -hmm. trying to do when we're talking to a referred prospect, I have a whole script on this. What we're trying to do when we're talking to that referred prospect is get them back to that moment of remembering how happy and excited they were when your client, let's say Doug, was talking to them about you. We got to get them back to that emotional state for make them easier to close. And so how I'm set up in the email totally tells me, oh my gosh, this one's going to be hard to close or this is going to be a walk in the park. Now, so that does come down to what my referral sources say about me in an email. But for where you are, I just need to get it in an email first. We can work on messaging later when they're in the habit of not doing word of mouth buzz and they're actually in the habit of referring you. Oh, this is so good. I feel like we could talk to you for a very long time. There's a few questions that I want to kind of hit before we wrap up this interview, though. So one is that I'm hearing if you kind of drew a trajectory of where a person is on the ready to buy scale, if they're just kind of doing their research, that's probably not going to be a really good referral. But if they're the people who are ready to buy, they've identified their problem, they're really passionate about their problem, they feel deeply emotionally about it, that's probably going to be a better referral. Am I hearing that correctly? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that anybody referred to you is going to be easier to close regardless of where they are on that continuum, more so than a cold lead or just a warm lead, right? But to your point, referrals don't all show up at, at the, on a one to 10 point scale at the 10, right? Some referrals show up saying, I got a problem. I know I need to talk about it. Rachel told me I definitely need to talk to Bruce. So now I'm talking to Bruce, but I don't, I'm not all 100% on board with solving my own problems, but I know I got one, mm-hmm. right? So they still, gotcha. they'll show up okay. at different places, but it's still an easier conversation for you to have. And, you know, one question you asked me was about, so what, if you're not asking, like, what are we doing? What I tell mm-hmm. people is, and I started out with the example of why do you refer? You refer because you're trying to help somebody. So don't lose sight of that when you're trying to generate referrals. Your job, though, because you're not out there triggering by asking those referrals to happen. And we also don't just want to wait for someone to have a conversation about a problem that I can solve, right? We're focused on our relationship with our referral sources. And it's within our relationships with the referral sources where we are going to hone in on how do I continue to build and strengthen that relationship? And I'm going to do that by connecting with them. But I don't mean like connecting with them face to face. I mean, again, I got students in six different countries in my growth by referrals program. And I get the majority of my students by referrals. Obviously, I do other I have other mechanisms, too. But I don't I don't see all my referral sources. One of my best one is like in Baltimore. Right. I mean, it's like I don't go to Baltimore every day. I'm in Charlotte, North Carolina. So it's mm-hmm. a, you can connect and it not be face to face, but you've got to focus on how you connect, how you are memorable and meaningful. And then the secret sauce though is the language I want you to use when you're taking care of your referral sources, when you're showing your thankfulness, when you're connecting with them and being genuine and authentic and thanking them for what they do. It's the language I want you to use, which I call planting referral seeds that will get them thinking about you from a referral perspective in the subconsciousness. And then that is what they'll ultimately end up acting on. Here's the thing. This only works though, if you truly actually care about your referral sources and you're very comfortable saying the language, which is 
quite normal language. It's not like some crazy script. I always tell folks, I'm like, yeah, there are dozens and dozens of scripts in the program, but they all sound like something you would say to a friend because that's the language we resonate with. But we still, even though we're going to take care of our referral sources, we still want to plant referral seeds because we want them to know why we're so thankful. And you don't always just have to like hit them over the head with every single time you talk to them. Thanks for your referrals. Thanks for your referrals. Like that's not what I'm talking about. There's a way okay. to do that. In a What's way. an example? What's an example of something that would be the, some of the right language yeah. to use? So, okay. So I'm going to give you an example. Um, and I'll, there are different ways to connect with your referral sources. One of the more, I guess, easiest ways for people to connect. And I know it's the one you and your audience can like visualize right now. So it's as giving a gift. Okay. But here's the thing. I say that, and I almost hate using it as my example because gifts is one of many things you can do. And if you don't have a budget, you shouldn't be doing gifts. So I have lots of people come to my program, shoestring budgets, we're not giving gifts. But this one I know you can visualize. Here's a way with my language that I connected with my referral source and I actually didn't plant a referral seed. But because I teach people to do this connecting on an ongoing basis, Sometimes we're using the referral plant, the referral seed language and we're planting it. And sometimes we're not. We're just thanking or we're just acknowledging or whatever it is, right? And so, yes. and we're not always thinking. Sometimes we're doing things to help them, right? So there's different ways that I, I teach this that it would work for people of what this looks like for them for a given year. How am I going to nurture my relationships with my referral sources every year, this year and next year and the year after and five years later, right? I mean, I have people that are in my program for five years now and they're blowing up because they're like, oh, now I see a referral explosion actually starts with a trickle and you kind of need the snowball to start. But the, the nice. idea here is, um, so one year when I was a productivity and business coach, I knew my referrals, because I coached business owners who were also parents, I knew that most of my referral sources, because you should know who your referral sources are, were also business owners or working professionals, but they were also parents. So I mm. decided something I teach in the program to recognize off-guard holidays. So I recognize Mother's Day and Father's Day. So for Mother's Day one year, I sent a Wonder Woman water bottle to each of my top referral sources. And on the card, it said, never forget, you are a hero. Happy Mother's Day, Stacy." And when you took that card off that water bottle, there was nothing about me on that water bottle. No logo, no name, no website, no thank you for your referrals, right? Like none of that stuff was there. But do you think they actually forgot who gave them the Wonder Woman water bottle? Oh, no. Nope. Because it was memorable and meaningful. We call it minding your M&Ms inside the program, right? It was memorable and it was meaningful. And it said, I see you where you are, right? But that language says to them, wow, Stacy gets me. She actually cares about me. And here's the thing. I do. I actually do love my referral sources. They make, I am not having a business failure, <laughs> right? And going through that again and struggling and being like, where is the money going to come from next month for the mortgage? Because my referral sources come alongside me and they bring me clients and they don't do it because they love me. They do love me. They do it because I help people and I help people well and they look good referring me. And at the same time, they feel good referring me because I'm also loving on them at the same time. Right. And so it's this trifecta kind of that we really want with our referral sources. I never forget. I'm not getting referred because I gave you a Wonder Woman water bottle. Not why I'm getting referred. But you're going to remember me and refer me more often because you know that I don't take you for granted. And I would never go six months without acknowledging what you mean to my business. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. And human intuition, but so awesome. So, Rachel, I'm almost, uh, yeah, I'm almost um, nervous to end the show like we normally end the show because 
you know, normally we end up say, how can people reach out to you? Well, that that's not a referral. Uh, so no, that's okay. <laughs> I do have one question before we do that, though. So I'm going to squeeze this in really quick. Yeah. So you mentioned online business and local business. Well, I kind of mentioned it. I squeezed that in at the beginning, but you're you're not a local based business. I'm sure that you have you mentioned clients all over the world, six countries, not just in Charlotte, North Carolina. So right. does building referrals by not asking work for online businesses? as well as local businesses? I'm sure I know what your answer is, but I want to hear it from you. Yeah, absolutely. But here, I don't care if you're an online business or you're a local business or you're brick and mortar or whatever it looks like. You may be local in like 37 cities, right? It actually doesn't matter what the what my program, the types of businesses that my program helps and it, it will turbocharge your results for as if you're in a relationship-based business, meaning you're more, okay, in, you're more right. in that consulting sales approach. I am your expert right? You come to me, not because you need to buy a pair of shoes, highly transactional. You come to me because you want someone to manage your money and you want it done well, right? And that's a major investment. And so it's people who sell their expertise. It's like, hey, I need an, need an attorney that I trust. I need a business coach. That business, it doesn't matter where that business coach sits, right? It doesn't matter how they're serving you, but they serve you and they are helping you. It's not like you never talk to them though. So if you are in a highly transactional business, you sell shoes, my program is not for you. It is for the people who typically they go through additional training to get good at what they do, right? So think like the CPA, the attorney, the business coach, the realtor, the financial advisor, like they are an expert because they go through additional training. They sell their expertise, usually acronyms right after their name, right? For that training that they've been through. And um, what they're doing is building a relationship with the people they work with. I don't get to meet all of my students that go through my program, but you can bet I know a majority of them, at least the ones that engage in the program. And that's why they refer me. They don't ever get to see me. I'm sitting here in Charlotte and they're in Australia. I mean, I would actually love to go see them. That would be so fun. Right. But the truth is, is that I, you can still deliver in an online business in a way, but you have to be more in that consultative relationship-based trust-based. Mm-hmm. And you've got to build a relationship with your clients. That just so happens to be who my program works best for. That's perfect. And I am very glad that you brought that out. Um, so Bruce, um, let's go back to your point here about not just asking her how people can reach out to her. Um, so Stacy, I do though, you've mentioned your program several times throughout this conversation. And I know just by hearing what types of things are built into that program, you mentioned scripts, you mentioned some really awesome stuff inside of the program. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about your program? Yeah. Absolutely. Well, thank you. And your book. Yes. And um, what resources you offer. Absolutely. And Bruce, I love that you said that, like, you feel like you shouldn't ask. So here's what I always tell people. When people know that I'm like the the girl who runs around saying, don't ask, don't ask, don't ask. I start noticing people applying it to places I never intended it to be applied. (laughs) Right. So (laughs) I have someone say, well, I really wanted to ask for a testimonial, but I know you say don't ask. I'm like, I never said, don't go ask that client for a testimonial. I said, don't go ask that client to put their reputation on the line and refer you somebody. Let's get it in a different way. So yes, we should still be, we should still be asking for the business too. We still got to know how to ask for the clothes. Like, so definitely we need to involve asking 
just not for referrals. Um, but the easiest place for folks to connect with me will be on my website, stacybrownrandall.com. And Stacy spell with an E. That's my home base. Um, I always tell folks when you're first figuring out what is this referrals without asking look like and what does Stacy's growth by referrals program look like, I have a quiz that you can take. It's right there on the homepage. Look for the little ninja icon in one of the black boxes and click on that or just go to stacybrownrandall.com forward slash quiz. Nine questions are going to tell you how good you are right now at generating referrals. Based on your level, you're going to be a beginner, you're going to be a referral ninja beginner, referral ninja in training, or referral ninja master. If you're a master, go on with your bad self because you are exactly where I want you to be. That's exactly where I am. If you're a beginner or in training, I've got resources that will help you understand like a seven day challenge. My book is generating business referrals without asking. My podcast is roadmap to grow your business. Find those resources and connect in. But when you're ready to learn about my program, it's called growth by referrals. You can find it obviously from my website, but growth by referrals system. Dot com Because even though we're going to build an experience, a referral experience for your referral sources, what you need to build is a process and a system so you actually execute on it because you're busy as a business owner. And so the, inside the program, you know, there's a couple of different ways that I work with people solely online, plus a Facebook group where you can still have access to me or one on one as a VIP where you'll still get the online course and the Facebook group. But I can build anyone's referral generating plan in four hours. So we'll spend four hours together, I'll build it, we'll lay everything out. You'll have some pre-work and some homework to do, but then you're going to have access to me for a year. We'll do quarterly calls, checking in and unlimited email access. So for the person who's like, I need the handholding, I've got it. It's not just an online course where you never talk to me again. And for the person who's like, I don't want to talk to you, Stacey. I want to do this at two o'clock in the morning in my pajamas. I have the online program that is there as well. But you can see on that awesome. yeah, on that growthbyreferralssystem.com, you'll see all the modules broken down and how I walk people through it. It's going through an overhaul this summer. So I'll tell you lots of things you're seeing are changing. It's only going to get better. I'm very, very excited. Um, so it's, you know, it's it'll be better. It's great now. All the same information will be there. I'm just moving it to a different platform so it's easier to kind of interact with and move people forward. But there's also on there lots of information about lots of case studies, videos you can watch, people talking about their success, um, ones you can read, testimonials, people talking about their success. So there's lots of information on that site, um, growthbyreferralsystem.com, all of which you can get to from my website as well. That is so awesome. And thank you for sharing that because I know that people are looking forward to reaching out and touching base and getting into that quiz and getting your book, getting your podcast and diving into growth by referrals. So um, we will make sure that we have that on the show notes as well, stacybrownrandall.com and all of your um, connection, every way to connect with you is probably through that website then as well. It is, and of course, social media as well. Yeah, Awesome. Awesome. Well, we'll make sure that we post that. Now, I do want to ask you in closing, how would you say for somebody who is a business owner, they're wanting to control their life, build time and money freedom, they're in a position where they want to live their best life. What advice would you give them on building a life and business that they love? You know, I think it really comes down to recognizing where you have gaps that are keeping you from where you want to be. And then, you know what, let's actually take some accountability for our lives and go figure out how to close those gaps. Right. I mean, we have a choice. We get to say these things are happening to me and that just is my lot in life. Or we get to say, you know what, these things are happening and I don't like it. So let me see how I can change it. And I think that is a decision that every business owner has to make for themselves as to which side of that they're going to land on. But if, you know, if business growth is something where you need help with, there's so many things out there to go figure out what it looks like. Don't just accept 
what life is giving you, but decide to be an action taker and take accountability and go make different things happen. Well, I can hear that you are one of those action takers. So thank you for sharing your expertise and for really packing all of these insights into something that other people can use, not just you to grow your business. And I love that it came through necessity. Um, just thank you for sharing your story and even the failure experience that started and snowballed the whole thing from the beginning. It's very obvious to see that you are that action taker who learns. Um, from the thank mistakes you. that and takes that forward. So thank, you. so thank you so much for being with us today, Stacey. Uh, we significantly just appreciate your wisdom on the show. Thanks, Stacey. Goodbye. Thanks. It was my pleasure. In closing, remember, success leaves clues. So model the successful few, not the crowd, and build a life and business you love. Do you have an established business and make great income, but feel like you can never get ahead or just plain have financial confusion? Get the business owner's three-step roadmap to achieve time and financial freedom without working harder or sacrificing your lifestyle. Go to themoneyadvantage.com slash roadmap to get your roadmap and free training. And when you register, you'll also get access to our ultimate money finder cheat sheet that you can use to recover lost cash flow and save on taxes. Thank you for listening to the Money Advantage podcast. Today's show notes and resources are available for you on themoneyadvantage.com. If you like this episode, make sure you subscribe and leave a review. If you have any questions or desire to speak with a qualified financial professional after listening to today's podcast, we encourage you to reach out to us at hello at themoneyadvantage.com or check us out at themoneyadvantage.com. The opinions and views expressed here are for informational purposes only. This material is educational in nature and should not be deemed as a solicitation of any specific product or service. All investments involve risk and a potential loss of principal. Kalos Capital Incorporated nor Kalos Management Incorporated offer tax or legal advice. Please consult with a tax advisor or attorney for advice regarding the impact on your portfolio. Securities offered through Kalos Capital Incorporated member FINRA, SIPC, MSRB, and investment advisory services offered through Kalos Management Incorporated and registered investment advisor, both located at 11525 Parkwood Circle, Alpharetta, Georgia. E3 Consultants Group is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Kalos Capital Incorporated or Kalos Management Incorporated.